All right, where are my Nebraska friends? Okay, so apologies to the rest of you. The folks from Nebraska know something that the rest of you don't know. And that is, I have incredibly cute kids. But I'm not gonna show you a picture. And some of the people from Nebraska, those that I hang out with, know that I have hilarious stories. And those of you who are wishing you had a break to go to the bathroom because you're feeling the coffee right now, I could probably make you pee with one of those stories. <laughs> but I'm not going to. Because if you, want, if you want me to make you pee, come and see me afterwards. If you want to see a picture of the kids, I'll show you afterwards. But I don't want to waste a single second of the time I have with you. Because it is so precious, it is such an honor. I get to kind of give the capstone talk for the Making Missionary Disciples track. Uh, but before I do, I want to just, just take a moment. I want, you to, I want to just give you uh, a picture to understand what you're experiencing right now. Right now, you're on the mountaintop. And it's good up here. But there is a whole lot underneath this little mountain that you're experiencing. SLS, right, SEEK, a focus conference. Those are like a little mountaintop experience. But what you have to understand is underneath this sea of people and the glory of this event are hundreds and thousands of everyday missionary disciples being stood up for the gospel. I don't mean like stood up, be like standing there waiting for someone who never comes. Trying to make friends and awkwardly introducing themselves. Starting small groups, sharing the gospel, sharing their stories, praying. There is a mountain underneath what you are experiencing right now. And this whole track has been about preparing you to live and do that mountain. Right? And there's one ingredient that's left. We've been giving you the focus secret sauce. But there's one, there's one key ingredient that's left, and that's discipleship. And that's what I get to talk to you about. Discipleship as a verb more than a noun. Right? This is, this is focus's secret sauce. And really, it's, it's not focus. I mean, it's like it's the secret, it's the secret of the church. I mean, it, it's the secret of the explosive growth of the early church, what we read about in Acts of the Apostles, right? It's the secret of saints and great leaders in the church from time immemorial. And I get a chance just to give you just a little appetizer and a taste for that. To be honest, we could have a whole, a whole conference just on the art of discipling people, of giving your life away to a few and preparing them for mission. So here's what I wanna do today. I wanna talk about, first off, what discipleship is. I wanna give you a little bit of the content and then I want to give you a place to start. Like, what does it look like in the real world? How do I get started? So what is discipleship? Well, discipleship is an intentional and systematic formation for mission. Win, build, send. Win. If win is over here, this is where you're building relationships, and, and you're getting to know people, and you're earning trust. And ultimately, that culminates as you've developed a friendship, introducing them to the friend of your life and of their life, of Jesus Christ, in the proclamation of the gospel. What I'm talking to you about today really centers more on the build and send phases 
of a person's personal discipleship journey. How, when, once somebody has entrusted themselves to the Lord and they call themselves a disciple and they're all in for Jesus, then what? How do you build them up in the Christian life? How do you send them out on mission? It, it's maybe helpful to contrast. Here's what discipleship is not. It's not simply programming. right? It's not simply a men's group or a women's group or accountability or, dare I say, great catechetical content. As wonderful as those things are, discipleship is an intentional and systematic formation for mission. See, I'm the son of a carpenter. My dad grew up in Cedar County, Nebraska. He could do anything with his, with his hands. And I had access to the tools all my life. And I didn't build the damn thing. You know why? Because I didn't want to. I didn't desire to build anything. I had access to the tools, but I didn't have the heart and I didn't have the hands. Today we live in a church that is overflowing with amazing, wonderful tools. But mark my words on this, the greatest poverty of the church today is that we don't have carpenters. The tools and programs and ministries of your parish do nothing without a missionary disciple to bring them to life, to use them. Now, when I give that definition of what we're talking about for discipleship, intentional, systematic, and a formation for mission, all of those elements are hard. I mean, it's hard to be intentional. I mean, to have a friendship that has a purpose and an aim is very countercultural in today's world. And to be systematic, to get something in the schedule that's regular with people who have commitments to family and work and all the rest of the whirlwind in life, that can seem overwhelming. But I think the hardest part, the most countercultural element of what I'm trying to, uh, of the, uh, the picture of discipleship that I'm trying to give you, is formation for mission. But that's what's needed, right? Whenever Jesus calls someone, think of it this way, whenever Jesus calls someone to be a disciple, come and follow me, he doesn't stop there. He says, and I will make you fishers of men. We cannot separate the call to be a disciple and the call to be a missionary. Thank you, Pope Francis. We now think of ourselves as missionary disciples. That's, that's the type of discipleship I'm talking about. The discipleship that completes the formation for someone who has said yes to the Lord and now is ready to be equipped for mission. We'll talk more about what it looks like, but it can take place in your family. It can take place with coworkers. It can take place with people in your parish or your neighborhood. It's a method that is accessible to everyone, regardless of their vocation, regardless of their state in life, and regardless of the rigors of their day job. You can do it as an illiterate peasant in China. You can do it as an American CEO. I know a few college students that do it. And you can do it as a stay-at-home mom with five under seven. You see, when Jesus comes to save the world, he spends time with crowds, but the vast majority of his time is spent with 12 guys who smell like fish who don't get it most of the time right? Jesus spends an inordinate amount of time 
for some of our sensibilities, camping and hiking with guys that are kind of rough around the collar. But he's investing himself in them. And not just them. Of them, he gives special attention to three, Peter, James, and John. He's preparing them for mission. He's discipling them. And he gives us, when he leaves, he gives them commission to go make disciples themselves. Because this is the method that Jesus gives us for the evangelization of the world. So let's talk a little bit here. If that's what discipleship is, what's the content, right? What do you do? Well, Dr. Sri mentioned earlier uh, in Acts of the Apostles, Acts 2.42, that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread, and the prayers. Now, that little section of scripture, uh, just, uh, just after that, it ends the section and says that the Lord added to their number daily. I mean, there's thousands of people being baptized. The earth is shaking whenever they pray. Their generosity and their communion is unbelievable. I don't know about you, but that's actually not my experience of my parish. Apparently I'm alone in that. Um, <laughs> right? My parish doesn't always feel like Acts of the Apostles. So what do you do? You disciple people. You begin, one at a time, person by person, to form a Christian community. And what's the content? The teaching of the apostles, fellowship, the breaking of the bread, and the prayers. So let's just go through those just real quick here, right? The teaching of the apostles. Jesus Christ is still speaking to his church today. And he does so the same way he did it from day one in Pentecost. He speaks through the apostles and their successors. It's always cool at a focus conference to see bishop after bishop after bishop walk in. You know, and just when you're like kind of tired of the procession and you're like, well, okay, that's kind of cool. Now I just saw like 20 bishops walk by. So it's like, okay, right? It's like Jesus still speaks to us through the apostles and their successors. So things like the catechisms and letters from the church and the scriptures themselves, it is such a joy to get together and read and study the content of the faith with those, right, who have committed themselves to following Jesus. What else do you do in discipleship? Well, uh, fellowship. To be honest, our parishes are often a very lonely place. And if I can get uncomfortably honest, sometimes the reason they're lonely is because you feel like you're the only one who is really there for the Lord. And the burden, the, the, the fire that burns within us to share our faith with others, to share the good news, man, sometimes, sometimes that feels very isolating. To have, to have a zeal for souls, to have a sense of mission, my gosh, like sometimes that, that's a very lonely experience. This is the solution to that. People who have given their life to Christ, even if they've been formed in a culture where it's not okay, to, you, know, you can talk about anything, just don't talk about Jesus, they're dying to talk about their best friend. So begin to create communities of real fellowship, real friends and real fun, 
where people can actually talk about what God's doing in their life. They can actually talk about their faith and what they're learning and where they're growing and where they're struggling, right? Devote yourself to the teaching of the apostles, to real fellowship, to the breaking of the bread. Our Christian life revolves around the Eucharist. It's the source and the summit. It is the power for evangelization, and it is our ultimate end. Now, and as a sacrament, as a foreshadow of the unity we will have with God and each other in heaven. And then finally, devote yourself to shared prayer. Now, let me be clear on this. When I say shared prayer, I don't just mean you're praying with someone and they're like next to you. I mean really sharing prayer. See, the best way to teach someone to pray is to invite them into your prayer, to pray with them. So if you're talking about Lexio Divina, it means as you read the scriptures in those successive readings, you're reading it out loud together, and you're pausing to hear the Lord and then to share with each other what's unfolding as you're listening to the Lord in your life. That's what I mean by shared prayer. Or in the case of intercession, as you're interceding for someone, you are together beseeching the Lord to move and act and to show you where he wants you to act in this person's life. That's what I mean by shared prayer. And let me tell you why that matters, because I want to spend a little bit more time just on that element, right, on shared prayer. Because I don't know about you, but even though I've got a master's degree and I've been doing this for almost 20 years, I don't feel like I know what I'm doing. I don't feel like Yoda, mm, right? Mm, take you to him, I will. Mm. Right. I don't, I mean, what is discipleship? Well, it's a formation in the entirety of the Christian life. That's a lot, right? That, that, that's a lot of stuff to cover. Where do you get started? Shared prayer, I want to suggest to you, is your first step. That's where you get started. Why? Well, because Jesus is really the discipler. He's the shepherd. You're the sheepdog. Right? Jesus is the real discipler. He's doing something in their life. And you're seeking to join in with him with what he's doing. And I'm super passionate about this because I did it wrong for so much of my missionary life. Not that it was fruitless, not that the Lord didn't bless it, but for years, my prayer was something like this. Lord, here's what I'm going to be doing in the life of this man, and I'd like to invite you to help me. <laughs> right? And usually my discernment with something like this, uh, this guy needs a good swift kick in the butt. Lord, make my foot strong. <laughs> right? That, that was... <laughs> I was realizing some of you might be in this room. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> here's what happened. Like... Jesus, out of a blessed frustration, changed my prayer. And it changed from, Lord, here's what I'm going to do, please help me, to, Lord, what are you doing in this guy's life? How can I help you? And when I began to pray like that, everything changed. Let me tell you two stories. Story number one is Kelly. And this is like a guy, Kelly. Uh, uh, Kelly was uh, in my parish, developed uh, great friendship. He was a, uh, a former semi-pro cyclist. So 
Uh, first time, he's like, hey, do you guys wanna go for a bike ride? I'm like, sure, we go for a bike ride, and 30 miles later, <laughs> um, Kelly and I are friends. And um, we're working on a project, you know, we're working on a project together uh, at church. He was kind of like a techie. And we just had like a, a meeting together, and we just like sat down, and we just, we just prayed together. We just shared Lexio Divina together. It was just the Sunday gospel. And as we would read it out loud, and he'd share what the Lord was saying to him, and I'd share what the Lord was saying to me, I began to notice that Kelly felt like Jesus was still on the outside of his life. And I learned later that even though he had entered the church years before, he, he really hadn't given his life to the Lord in a very clear and explicit way. And so as we prayed together, it became very clear that I needed to share the gospel with Kelly. So I did. First 20 minutes, I let Jesus talk. After that, because it was clear to me what he was doing in Kelly's life, I shared the gospel, just like, just like Kelsey did, although I don't have a cool note from Kelly because he's a guy and he doesn't you know, write notes and stuff. Um, when you share Lexio Divina, or some form of contemplative prayer, Jesus shows you what he's doing in their life, and he shows you how you can help. Right? Or I can tell you this story. I can tell you the story of Nate. Nate was a wonderfully awesome, holy, frustrating as hell guy. Um, because even though he had made major strides, I could not get him to begin to invest himself in the men in his life. And there was never enough time, and he was always distracted. And after, you know, exhausting myself with cool quotes from saints and the catechism to try and make him feel guilty, I finally decided. Let's take a different strategy. Let's just pray together. And we began to do intercessory prayer together. And what I normally would do quietly in my own personal prayer time, I just began to share out loud. I was praying for Tom and Dan and Joe and many men that were in both of our lives. And as I prayed out loud and I invited Nate to join me in that intercession, when I looked up after we finished our prayer, Nate had grabbed a piece of paper and began to scrawl down all the names of the guys in his life that he now knew he needed to be praying for. And I watched in that prayer time Jesus give him his love for the men in Nate's life. That was the first 20 minutes that Nate and I had together that day. The rest of the time, we spent planning how he was going to get his small group started. You see, if all you're doing together is praying with someone, then you're not really doing discipleship. I mean, you're doing a good thing, but you're not doing discipleship. But if you're doing everything else, all the best curriculum, all the best training, and you're not praying together, and you're not letting the Lord show you what he's doing and where he wants you to help, then you're, you're missing the boat. Here's what I want to do. I want to, I want to leave you with this. Those of you, you've come here. You've come a long way. You are convicted that you want to leave a legacy with your life. And I know I'm just scratching the surface, just getting you started here in what it means to begin to disciple someone. But I, I promise you, what, what, what the church really needs today is truly missionary disciples. The church needs carpenters. The church needs laborers. The missionary disciples are made. They're not born. 
Jesus' last words to us are, go make disciples. So I want to invite you. I want to beg you, please. There's so many things the church needs today. And I'm pretty sure most of you are up to your ears in serving the Lord. And I'm sure those are all good and wonderful things. But I want you to make time to give your life away to a few. To help raise up some laborers. I promise you, you won't be sorry. God bless.